0: Welcome to Urban Foundry. All opinions expressed by Andrew Urban, Paige O'Neill, and our castmates are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Collier's International, Inc. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. Clients of Collier's International may maintain positions in the properties discussed in this podcast. Welcome back to the Urban Foundry podcast, your go-to source for urban real estate news and conversations. I'm Andrew Urban.
1: And I'm Paige O'Neill, and we will be your co host as we explore the future of downtown real estate.
0: This, this is, is Urban, Urban Foundry.
1: Foundry.
0: Welcome back to Urban Foundry. We're on with Isaac Bamboche. Yeah. Welcome from New City Development. Isaac, first time on Urban Foundry. Welcome. Here we go. We're excited. So, Isaac, tell us a little Good bit about yourself and your yeah. background for our audience that may not be familiar with yourself
2: and New City. How did you get here? Yeah, great to be here and thanks for inviting me on the pod. It's also one of these things that you never know what to expect, so it's good to be with friends and folks that know what they're doing, so I'm, I'm putting my, my hand, my podcast hands in <laughs> no, so start a new city about three years ago, and have been in indie now about six years, uh, maybe six and a half or so. Moved from Wisconsin by way of uh, being originally from Chicago, and as we were talking about the name, it's Nigerian. So I've been kind of all over the, the the map a little bit here, but you know, start a new city really at the start of. 2020, which is a, a great time. Great to start great start a time. new business.
0: Well, I was about business. to say, cause I was thinking <laughs> back before we prepped
2: and I was like, you know, we had
0: Andrew Molnar on from MR3. I don't know yeah. if you know Andrew. Do, yeah. yeah. Andrew's a great, great buddy of ours. Mm-hmm. And he moved, you know, he was at Thompson mm-hmm. and went back to the family development company, like right around the same time. Yep. And you know, they were doing legends crossing up in Westfield. And it was like his first project with his dad and his brothers. And mm-hmm. then like COVID hits. Right. Yeah. They had an anchor that was a theater, right? I can't remember uh, what brand. Like, it was like everything started unraveling really quick. So yeah. tell us a little bit about your experience going, all right, I'm starting my own thing. I'm ready to go. And, and then like, shoot, yeah, there's yeah. This, this virus.
2: There, there was all this momentum you know, going into it in terms of you know, just figuring. And I actually remember I sat down with Andrew. Um, back then before I started because he was you know just yeah. our network and everything yeah, right you know similar folks and just wanting to understand you know how he saw the world and just kind of the places he he was coming from there and me um, he, he had some great great pointers and advice from that standpoint but it was a huge shock to the system as you can imagine but we had great momentum I had, mm-hmm. at that point it you know talked with some of the the folks I respect highly in the industry you know mentors and in many ways and just peers as well as far as you know hey if i do this what do i need to know going in and and if you know this is the vision which is you know our motto that you see and we really truly believe this of you know, elevating standards and transforming communities in a positive way. If we're if we're going to do that and you know use this background that you know I've been fortunate to have with you know doing some transformative projects in town here, yeah. are those basic things going to be there? Right, the capital, the the ability to bring the the right resource around these developments, as you know, are complicated and and numerous. And the the resounding response was yes. And then the pandemic hits and, you know, you just start putting (laughs) all the basics, right? You package together, your decks, right? right. you you, you line up all of these meetings. And this, I remember vividly, it was January, February, had a bunch of coffee meetings, a bunch of lunches, breakfast and all that. And, you know, then went back into the lab and been working (laughs) on all these decks and, you know, different investment strategies. And, you know, we had these meetings set up, all right, these meetings set up in March. And the world shuts down. So it was okay. You're you're in this, and you know I had been lucky and fortunate that in the Great Recession, oh eight oh nine, I was in school, so I didn't get to experience the full brunt of you know that whole meltdown. And so I was like, okay, this is my oh eight oh nine. I know you, you're gonna really figure out what you're made of. And so we, you know, at that point, were you know, this is still something we are committed to. We've got a great vision, great idea, and let's go out and do it. And I keep saying we, I'm so in the mindset of team at this point, Yeah, we've been able to and decent, decent amount, but you know, at that point it was just me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: So, it was you with some ideas, right. Some and ideas, a couple and theories a lot, yeah. and
2: hypotheses. And that's right. I mean, I think right? that's
1: awesome though, to say we after you started in the midst of all this craziness and that, mm-hmm. and you still have a, we, mm-hmm. a lot of people can't say that yeah, after yeah. 2020.
0: Well, and, and some of the vision, when you talk about community, mm-hmm. right. I, I, I'm really drawn to that because I feel like in my experience, right. Like some of what happened mm-hmm. uncovered more, inequities. It Mm -hmm. uncovered more needs for these communities and it also created a lot of opportunities for the right mindset to come in because I think the rules of development, I think there's always a certain base level of math that goes into it that's not going to change per se, but I think there's more of a need for creative new approaches Mm -hmm. than there's ever been before.
2: I, I think you're absolutely right in terms of the equation could look different, but you're still going to need to produce an end product that probably looks the same. And by that, I simply mean you've got to make a business sustainable, Mm -hmm. right? You've got to make money and, and how you get there, you know, you can play with that formula, but if you don't get to one plus one equals either two or four, or yeah, or, right. you know, six, you're not going to be here. right? <laughs> Period. Here right. And so, but, you know, there's a lot of creativity that can happen in, in that, you know, kind of left side of the, of the equation. And, you know, in such a way that you get more people on the bus. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and folks that, had previously been excluded from the industry. And so, you know, we were talking a little bit about that before uh, yeah. we started here in terms of just what that can look like. And, and you know, for me, I think a lot about, you know, just how do you represent, you know, properly for other folks that are right. either going to come alongside you or, you know, come behind you. And that's that's been really key in all of this because, again, it's affecting the places that we either frequent ourselves or, you know, we have been a part of it. And so how do we make sure that it's, it's built for people and not just the, the equation, right? Not Mm -hmm. just the, the numbers.
0: Yeah. Well, and and that's a really interesting point you kind of bring up, right? Is bringing more of a diverse perspective and making, you know, from a community standpoint, it's got to be self reflective of the community Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. right? And historically, this industry has, you know, at least from a development side and from a brokerage side has been historically, very monolithic mm-hmm. <laughs> and what it looked like felt like thought process and I think you know it's it's interesting you know Paige and I have done some interesting kind of deep dives into like homelessness and some nonprofits and also how that impacts things like affordable housing and developments And a lot of it is what was an eye-opening for us was just not even being able to put ourselves like, it takes a lot of effort to like get outside your own biases. Mm -hmm. Right. And kind of saying, okay, this is the way I've always done it. Or I approach this sort of question or concern from the community in a very specific way, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean you necessarily understand and can't fully address that. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's interesting. The other thing that I think, you know, and I know we've talked about it and we have a lot of people in common talking about how do we increase uh, diversity inclusion in this industry? Right. And getting more diverse talent sets here. And and that could be matter of perspective. It could be race. It could be sex, gender, you know, all those sorts of things for an industry historically that's been somewhat of a country club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right? I mean, you know, Paige, you've you've seen it, it's you've still
1: pretty much <laughs> that way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like right. let's be honest. Right,
0: right. And we talk a lot about that. Yeah. On how do we from a brokerage standpoint, right? And and developer in a lot of ways is similar, right? right. Like, you know, you're necessarily there's not a salary day one mm-hmm. before you started your development company, right? Like no. there was no, no. <laughs> right, like no. you have to go it, create projects, you have to have funding to get you by, right? You still have a, a house, a mortgage, can right all those, all those things. things. Yeah, so how many people, right, in general can just Kind of jump into an industry with no guaranteed paycheck exactly. for who knows how long. Exactly. And I think that by nature to me has always been kind of one of the flaws to boost diversity mm-hmm. is because not many people, you know, in general can do that regardless of, you know, any of those factors. But then when you really look at it and peel back the onion, that really excludes, right? When we look at socioeconomic patterns and demographics, a mm-hmm. vast
2: majority. Uh, of, of people. Right. 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 No, it's the, you know, there's a practical side, right. Yeah, And and there's kind of a a social side to a certain extent and that sort of visibility, right. You've got to see folks that look like you, that not just look like you, but you feel come from a similar cultural background, right. right, And say, okay, they can do this. I can do this. It's, It's the way in which you, exactly. You know, athletes or entertainment folks see these people and say, oh, you know, I am a fan of this person or you know I see this person as a role model as mm-hmm. a hero Correct. because they came from the same neighborhood I came from or you know they talk similarly or right. you know fill in the blank and when you have those sorts of correlations okay there's that sort of this is something that because they've done it I can do it too and so that representation is so key but then you go then to the practical kind of nuts and bolts side of it and say, okay, what does it take to be able to yep. make this work? And, and having that wherewithal and and just that knowledge, you know, whether it's via being in the industry, you know, from the standpoint of getting a job, just at, at, a, at an entry level standpoint, I started off as an analyst, right. Yep. And mm-hmm. by a series of fortunate events, hard work, all of the above that, you know, formula, I guess, or, whatever you soup. <laughs> <and combination laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Things. I'm, I'm where I am today, but you know, you, you do have to start off and pay attention to some of those details. And I, and I akin it to racing, maybe we're in Indiana, right? So yeah. an analogy of like the Indy 500, it's a vehicle, it's a car, just like the cars you and I drive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, everyone in this room drives, but you can't just go, we can't go in an Indy car. And start driving at 200 miles an hour and expect not to crash. Right. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Most likely will crash. Um, And so how do you start to break it down? Okay, I want to be a racer. Well, there's a lot that, you know, I want to get into the Indy 500. Well, there's a lot that goes into getting into the Indy 500 and becoming someone that understands the velocity and physics of how you have to control this Mm -hmm. machine that's going to rates of speed that make zero sense to right. truly the mind. Right. And so and it's not too dissimilar real estate being able to recognize, Oh, okay. If I'm going to be a mm. broker or a developer or, you know, uh, fill in the blank property management or right. whatever I, and I'm, and I'm going to own the yeah. business. Well, um, this is a very lumpy, type of business, at least on well, development and brokerage side, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. you might get some big payouts, um, you know, in six month increments or in 12 month increments, but you might not see yeah. anything for 12 months. And what, what's your, yeah, <laughs> right. what's your, what's your, your runway, yeah. you know, what's your runway for that time period. And and some people are just like, oh, I'm just going to do it. And, you know, three months into it, they're like, Oh crap. What have oh, crap. I done? Right. Or right. you it, get your first check and you blow it and you blow it. Right. So all of those things, you know, being able to come in eyes wide open, so you don't crash. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not to say failure is not, you know, okay. Failure is absolutely um, a part of the process, but there's a difference between, you know, these sorts of like corrections crap. that you have to make along the way. And, you know, again, a, t- Totally in that vehicle, going back to the analogy, right. you, your race is done, yeah <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, so
0: it 's interesting, you say that, and I love your analogies to sports and entertainment, I use it a lot, mm-hmm. right, especially when i 'm mentoring other brokers and things like that, right, two things I always say is find a role model and mimic them until you find your own style, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? 100%. We all do that early on in our careers, right? Yes. We find people we admire, whether they're mentors either directly or indirectly. And I always tell them, Hey, mimic this person until you figure out your own voice and, and, and style, right? Mm-hmm. F- find people that you really admire and really pick their brains, figure out how they're
2: doing, what they're doing, right? right? The other and, piece And of add this, value, I would say, yeah. is, you know, right. um, those folks, it, <laughs> it's not a charity, right? No. Um, and so that sort of mindset of, okay, they're obviously bringing all this value to you and they, they recognize that too. Yeah, yeah they <laughs> right? get it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and so being able to say, okay, I'm here, I'm adding value as well. Right. You know, the, the difference between how they behave around you and, and not when you actually bring value is, you know, vastly different.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: the way in which they open kind of the book to you and you say, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Because you're actually saying, okay, well, I want to really learn um, what a waterfall is and how to work a pro forma. And and you say, well, I'll take this on. <laughs>
1: yeah, right.
2: And, you know, you, again, you make mistakes and, but it's better to make mistakes when you're working with someone that really knows what they're doing versus, oh, I don't need to learn that waterfall stuff. I'm just going to do it when I'll figure you know, it out later, I'll figure it out later. And, and you get, you know, with charisma and whatnot through a deal and you're at the, the, you know, closing table yeah, or something right. and someone, you know, checks your math and is like, ah, this actually doesn't work. Oh, the yeah. zero's in the wrong place. Or, yeah. you know, all the wrong assumption things. or you uh, missed.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and it happens. Yeah. Right. But if you don't catch it and you don't have that, that, that kind of guidance, mm-hmm. this is an apprentice business. It is. Period. Well, no matter what side of the table you're on, it's an apprentice business. And so you're right. You have to add value to your seniors, right. Or mm-hmm. your mentors at the same time. I think what you mentioned was the initiative, mm-hmm. right. Saying, Hey, I'm going to take this, I'm going to work hard at it, but I need you to double check my work so I can learn, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to just wait on, sit on my hands and hope that someone comes along and tells me the answers exactly. to this. Right. That's, that's such a critical kind of piece of development. And the other thing I always kind of give as piece of advice, Isaac, I'd love your thoughts on this is I always tell, at least in brokerage, and I don't, I'm sure this applies to development is you got to view yourself like a, like an athlete Mm -hmm. in some ways. And what I mean by that is you have to structure your routines, your discipline your, your support status, your family life, all those things. You have to keep those things in a certain balance. Mm-hmm. You have to have a very disciplined approach to the way you go about every single day because mm-hmm. time is money in this business. percent Right? And so you got to keep your mind sharp. You got to keep physically healthy. You got to you know make sure your home life is stable and secure, right? And we've all probably seen people that didn't do some of those things in their careers and they got pinched or fell into some unfortunate, you know, deal circumstances. And I always go, you gotta constantly be kind of sharp sharpening the sword, mm-hmm. really thinking about that, approaching your day like you have a mission.
2: One hundred percent. You know? Yeah. No, it's it's um again, going back to the mindset that you have to have in this in this business because you're dealing with people.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Right.
2: And so all the, the different areas that you just mentioned, your family, the workplace, the social structures you build around creating these sorts of routines that make you and help you be successful, you know, then feeds back into the business. And, you know, I was listening, you know, you try to always be growing and and I'm always trying to you know find out how. Others have done it to improve myself, you know, further. And, you know, this whole idea of just kind of your work-life balance, being in imperfect balance is, mm-hmm. is really something that, you know, I'm starting to work away from yeah. and m- yeah. work more towards being intentional and being present in yes. whatever it is that you're doing, doing. right? And, and the phrasing that, if I'm remembering it correctly, that I saw recently on that is um, living in the contrast. So, yep. you know, it's a That's contrast it right. to the work life balance, you know, language and saying, how do you live in contrast? So when I'm at work, I'm fully at work. When I'm at home, I'm fully mm-hmm. at home. When I'm, you know, exercising, but you're committed to these things. Right. So you're not just being thrown around, um, like a yo-yo. Yeah.
1: You're not which, half in half, half out. out. Yeah. Exactly.
2: And and that's where you make mistakes or you ignore the things that truly matter in your life. And, and then you get in trouble.
1: Well, yeah. it probably helps you feel a little bit more fulfilled about, what you've done in the day. Cause if you're giving it at your all while you're at work or mm-hmm. while you're at home, then you're not like, Oh, I'm a shitty mom or, yeah. Oh, I'm a bad employee or right, whatever right. it may be because you're truly giving it all. That's right. And you're focused That's for right. that time being. And it's a challenge. Yeah. It's
2: a challenge because all these things, especially in the world, you know, we're just talking about, Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there's a lot of noise. Yeah. There, there's so much noise and, and way more so than, you know, the folks that have come before us, you know, our parents or grandparents didn't have nearly the amount of distraction and the mm-hmm. idea that, Oh, if we just optimize with technology, we can do it all. And it's like, no, we're still human beings. We yeah. can't do it all and we can't do it all at the same time. So just trying to, and I think that's a, a, a it's been a huge, you know, lesson for me too, in the business of we can't be everything to everyone. Right. We can't do every project. And you know, you, you achieve any level of success, folks are going to want you in oh yeah, you know, a all million these different, different
0: directions,
2: uh, different places. And so, how do you say yes to the right thing and and no, even sometimes to the right thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. But it's the wrong thing for you at that time because it's taking your eyes off the prize. Right. Hundred percent. Right. The no's are more important than the yeses a lot of mm-hmm. the
0: times. Right. One hundred percent. And it's it's it, it's so interesting to kind of get your perspective too, because it kind of mirrors a lot, you know, the work that we do with the team and really the brokers, right? Like a big part of when we started building this bigger team and building this platform, our whole idea was how do we maximize producers, right? How do we attract the best producers that want to come on our platform as a team and our backbone and page leads a lot of that backbone piece of it so they can focus on what they're doing best. Mm -hmm. Because I saw that as a success, right? Early on. And I think in development, it's the same way. How do you, you know, right now with everything going on and your projects, et cetera, how are you staying disciplined from a macro strategy standpoint? right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like you said, right? You get a lot of calls, right? Brokers say, Hey, this is a great opportunity. You can make so much money, yada, yada, yada. Here's my OM. You just take a look at it. How are you guys assessing things? How are you guys looking at opportunities? And then from a new city development strategy, kind of what's your kind of current theses that you guys are really trying to, 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 to work on?
2: Yeah. It's a challenge (laughs) because I'm a deal junkie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You see a deal and you go, Oh yeah.
0: Like you said, like I could do this deal. I could make money, but is this worth our time and effort cuz that means we have to divert resources exactly. off other things yeah, right yeah
2: and so you know i have a my team you know will probably laugh if if any of them listen to this <laughs> um, but there's a saying um or our mantra for 2023 is this uh acronym that myself and my partner came up with called all in and not to be mistaken with being that we're on a podcast the all in podcast yeah you know, right 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 i'm a fan of that shout part. out to all in a podcast <laughs> that's right but but the acronym really means something that it speaks to exactly what we're talking about. And, you know, the A stands for ask for help. The L stands for lean into leadership. The other L stands for learn from your limitations, increase capacity and never settle. And the never settle is a little bit of a, you might think about it in the sense of, oh, you know, you always want to go for more, go for more. Right. It's actually the opposite. It's that when you say yes to everything, you are settling because right. you're going to be mediocre. Um, and not excellent at the things that you should be doing, which you already have as your you know, primary focus. Um, so you're never settling when you actually say no to the things that you already have committed to. But all of those things really speak to how we're looking at projects, we're looking at our company in terms of that growth, which we all want, right? We all want growth, but how do you grow properly? How do you impact properly? And, and that sort of mindset, then helps us say, okay, when we see these deals, when we see all of these, you know, opportunities that are juicy or, you know, well, if we did this, we can make it work, even though they can figure it out. Right. right, right. Um, you know, <laughs> say, okay, well, we come back to that, but then we also come back to, you know, the other piece of who we are as new city of, you know, again, elevating standards, transforming communities is truly going to be transformational. and, And that transformational language can mean a couple of different things. It's not just, is it big? What's the impact that you can have in this corridor? What's the impact that we can have in this market? And those things really guide and dictate the decisions that we make day in and day out, where we say, okay, if we're going to take this project on, this can be cool. You know, this could add to mm-hmm. our value prob. This can add to our resume of projects, but is this really transformational for this corridor? Is this something that we feel had new city, not gotten involved, this would not happen. Right. And, 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 and so, you know, it stares us sometimes away from kind of some of the easy layups, frankly, sure. and we've got to balance that, right? We've got yeah. to, be able to make sure, again, you're putting food on the table from that standpoint for the organization to continue to do the things that we want to do. So those base hits, those, you know, baseball you know, is the perfect analogy <laughs> for that, by the way, <laughs> yeah, right? Those, you, those, know? you know, two run hits, all of those are important and in, in fill into the equation, but they're, they still kind of gear you towards this. Hey, how are we impacting? So whether it's in Hendricks County with a massive project, right. or whether it's uh, Marion County looking at a small 15-unit right. acquisition, you know, not true quote-unquote development or mm-hmm. repositioning. Right. There's right. a this whatever project that we're doing is this, this usually at least going to be a greater story and greater narrative around the impact we can have on that area. Yeah, that's interesting. So, so tell us about
0: kind of. Few of the projects you guys are working on right now that you can't talk about because I know there's always top secret stuff, yeah, stuff. <laughs> right? But the, I'll say the public stuff, yeah, right so that we all know about.
2: Um, we're working on primarily right now a, a massive project in Plainfield, Indiana, and you know not a place that typically is synonymous with massive projects, but it's a community that's actually seen a lot of growth. Plainfield oh, yeah. and Hendricks County as a whole, and you know primarily from this industrial e-commerce push and they've done a great job of being able to maintain the value that's been created there. And now, you know, are kind of, you're seeing a lot of what happened on the North side happening Mm -hmm. on the West side. And um, we've come in with a, with a plan that we're, we're pretty excited about it. And we've got 125 acres that we've master planned and we've Put together this sort of community within the community, you know, right. city within the city, where we've got everything from multifamily to single family, actually industrial as well. There's a senior housing play involved, retail, ground floor mixed use, trail system expansion. Working with the municipality on it, um, it's called Hop Station. Yeah. The project is even an office built to suit opportunities on it. So you know, full gamut. It's a three hundred plus million dollar project. With all these uses, the multifamily piece, you know, we're building, that's a new city project. We're building about 300 apartment units right now with 30,000 square feet of retail. And we've got, you know, 300 more units that will be built in in subsequent phases. We've got a partner that's working on the industrial piece mm-hmm. that's doing about half a million square feet of midsize boxes you know, again, geared towards the logistics and e-commerce yep. world. We've got Pulte homes doing 240 plus single family homes and kind of that price point that again, is approachable in this world where you know yeah. building homes is, is uh, <laughs>
1: ridiculous. <laughs>
2: yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. I mean, again, you go you know to the neighborhoods and in, you know, midtown Indianapolis, or you go to the North side and yeah. good luck finding a home, you know, that, uh, is new build for anything less than, you know, $400,000. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. So these guys are doing a, a great job, uh, from that standpoint and, and then yeah, partnering with the, with the municipality on the infrastructure, right. One of the big yeah, things big. when you're building a community like this is the infrastructure mm-hmm. and, you know, thousands of linear feet worth of concrete and asphalt and road will be yeah. <laughs> placed in service essentially. And so we're, we're working through all of that and, you know, we are the lead in all of that. So that's uh keeping us really busy and oh, I'm um, sure. we've ramped up quite a bit to be able to take on a project like that in a short time. And it's, it's gone lightning fast in, in the grand scheme of, again, projects of that yeah. scale, you know, we bought the site in 21 start a construction last year and the first phase will be online next wow. year.
1: Nice, That's um, amazing. That's
2: quick. It, yeah. <laughs> cause yeah. you
0: know, I mean, these bigger projects, they can take a long time. A long I mean, time. cause you worked on Bottleworks yeah. when you were at Hendrix, That's right? right? Yep. I mean, tell us like, how does that compare from a timeline perspective? Obviously there's, it's different apples yeah. and oranges. It is. So you you know, we'll say the that, there's
2: historic right. redevelopment in one. Right. Is I Greenfield mean, obviously, right. Other. Greenfield but, the other. Yeah, it that that even too for again a historic redevelopment project was lightning fast, you know. We and there was a whole RFP, right? Working
0: right, with, right? Well, <laughs> um, you were working with the city, city right? And, others, and, and other governmental,
2: right. entity And the school district IPS owned it, and that was the best, right?
0: That's right, people. That's right. Um, right.
2: Folks forget, and that's and that's I'm proud that's of that. It's amazing you know?
0: how quickly we've all forgotten Gotten, that because yes. you go see it now and you're yeah. like. There was a bus
1: depot here, yeah, right? Yeah.
2: Hundreds <laughs> of school, you know, buses, orange school buses. Right there, school
1: buses um,
2: on a prime piece of property. Right, right, right in the downtown. And a lot of folks didn't think that, you know, going, that was that was the end of Mass Ave, mm-hmm. you know? And there were some things that were happening over there, but it was still kind of, you're going to do what? You're going right. to put a hotel at the end of Mass Ave? Everyone wants a hotel. Everyone
1: on, goes the other way. The other
2: way, exactly. Over by the convention center and Lucas Oil and those sorts of um spaces. But again, we really were of the mindset that if we can create that sort of destination, that center of gravity, people will come because people are looking for interesting things to do and people from all walks of life, frankly. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do we attract and elevate, you know, the standards of what we view as um, indie? Yeah. And, you know, there are a lot of folks doing that. You know, there are a lot of other people I can, you know, talk about oh, yeah. doing, doing really cool stuff in that w- w- realm um, of, of elevating. The profile of Indy, but yeah, for Bottleworks, it was, it was a relatively you know, short in development standards process. We started that planning in 2017. Okay, um, we yeah, won it in 2017 as well. The the bidding process, frankly, you know, kind of started in 2015, mm-hmm. and so there was a there were a couple years of just you know, IPS figuring out what they wanted right. to do mm-hmm. and then putting out an RFQ and then it went from an RFQ to an RFP and then right. we won it. And then there was negotiating PSA <laughs> right. and due diligence. Right. And, and so, yeah, that's, that's what can happen. Right. And, and, but then once we won it and went through the process, um, you know, we had to go through IHPC, the historic preservation commission, Oh gosh, we yeah. had to go through the feds, uh, and, um, right national park services, NPS, uh, you know, for some of the tax credits that we got, we had to go through the state, um, change right. some state laws in terms of, um, how we could even, you know, just allow alcohol to be served on the project. Say, right, so there right. was so many pieces and and that took, you know, a couple of years, which again is fast. You know, typically those things can take right. half a decade to a decade and So I think, you know, yes, credit to the team and, oh, and yeah whatnot. But I would also say credit to the municipality, credit to the state, you know, that sort of collaboration is so key in being able to achieve, you know, what, what's now Bottleworks, right. Being able to get everyone on the same page and everyone was so supportive and wanting to see things happen. Everyone has their own agenda. Of course. (laughs) Right. Um, Right. But but I think there was a lot of goodwill and intent in trying to collaborate and and bring that vision to reality.
0: Yeah. So how does that, experience, obviously structured process, a lot of different stakeholders. Mm-hmm. How did that compare? You know, you said Hobstation was fairly quick, mm-hmm. right? And, and what you described, that's a lot of planning period, right? And mm-hmm. on top of it, you know, we know that, like you said, there's a lot of stakeholders that have different agendas, premonitions, ideas. How did that compare that process kind of with how station came along,
2: right? Yeah. There was a little bit more of building the plane as we went with Got it. with I mean, there was a lot of it that happened with Bottleworks as well, but there, there was a little bit more taking a step back, seeing, you know, the, the whole forest and then, you know, diving in. Whereas with Hobbs, we were able to kind of be doing a couple of things, you know, walk and chew gum at the same time, sort of mentality. And, and that really helped that sort of layering really helped us get to where we are. And, and it's, it's difficult because there's room for a lot of error when you're doing that yeah. and which we've made. And, but at the same time, again, I go back to that analogy. We've not crashed. <laughs> We're, yeah, right, right. We will not Um, to be clear, but it's one of those where being able to move forward with a project like that, you have to kind of work a lot of things in parallel and that's what we did and 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 again kudos to the leadership of Hendricks County of Plainfield in terms of being able to do both right yeah. work with us work with the community you know folks that were we didn't have any remonstrators at our project as we were working through the entitlements because we, we sat down with folks in the community and said, early is on. this, is this what you want <laughs> early on right. before we even went to, yeah, you're not going any to a you know, We've never heard of this. No, you've heard of this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> before yeah. we started. And so that's something we pride ourselves on is just that sort of, we're an open book in terms of working with the community and, and listening and Taking feedback and saying, okay, we hear you, and maybe we can do X, but maybe we can't, and here's why. And always trying to be as transparent and and honest with them as possible. Because again, we are also trying to work through a number of different constraints Mm -hmm. as you build these projects.
0: Yeah. And one thing, I guess, from my outsider's perspective, right? And I've always, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, right? In the few projects we've worked on, you know, with communities. Plainfield, just for our listeners that are not familiar, Plainfield historically had been seen a lot of growth in the industrial and logistics space, Mm -hmm. right? So they had seen a tremendous volume over really the last 20 years, just with the FedEx hub growing. And then obviously a lot of users that want to be near that proximity of that hub, right? Mm -hmm. So they saw a tremendous amount of volume from an industrial development standpoint. Mm -hmm. But the other areas, right, and this is where Hobbs Station's addressing some of that, is as industrial grows so rapidly, all those warehouses and, and manufacturing locations need people to work there, mm-hmm. right? And so what we found in a lot of national site selection work in a lot of these areas that have been hot areas from an industrial development standpoint, where it's getting kind of choked up or projects are maybe going in a different direction, is because, hey, you know, A, unemployment in this area is extremely low right we don't know if we can compete secondly from a housing standpoint for future population growth in the area it's been constrained mm-hmm. right and the few developers that we've worked with on projects adjacent to these large industrial parks a lot of the challenges and i'm not saying plainfield cuz it's not the the example i'm drawing from but it's it's from an adjacent community it was difficult working because it's such a different animal. You talk about site impact fees, hookups, things like mm-hmm. that, where you look at the equation. And for industrial, if you're doing a park and there's four buildings and you're doing X number of hookups, you go, oh, 10 grand per, no big deal, right? Mm-hmm. But you're doing 240 single family homes. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden you take that you know per hookup cost. Right. And you're going, oh, shit. Mm -hmm. Right. On top of site work, on top of all the entitlement process. Right. So do you on that project? You know, you said it was very collaborative. Was there a lot of mutual learning that Mm -hmm. went into that between all the parties and stakeholders about, hey, how how does a pro forma work for a site like this? Because you probably haven't seen one ever Mm -hmm. in the council or any of the other stakeholders time when they were coming, your guys were coming forward with your plans.
2: Yeah. And it was so important to bring the right partners to the table that had that collaborative mindset, right? The, the Polties of the world, right? Again, they're a large, you know, publicly traded, yeah. you know, housing developer, but the folks on the ground here locally were collaborators. And, and so, you know, I'm not a single family housing developer. I don't know all right. the ins and outs of what that takes at that scale, but, you know, when you understand how to again build a pro forma, right? Going back to yeah, some of what we're talking about, those fundamentals, you and you get the right people at the table, you can bring those different pieces together and say, okay, here's something that makes sense or doesn't make sense. And that's what we did in terms of being able to say, okay, we've got you know, the, the single family piece, we've got the multifamily piece, we've got the industrial and they have all of these constraints. Okay. Let's bring them all into this pot. And how can some of the benefits of doing single family next to multifamily actually benefit some of the, and the constraints by reducing costs that we would actually have to double up on had we done them separately. And the same is true for even the industrial, you know, a lot of folks don't think these things, you know, can coexist, but they actually can very well if you create the right sorts of pathways, whether it's again, financially or physically for them to coexist. And so that's, that's what we did. And, and again, going back to the parallel sort of work, you know, collaboratively with these folks, but, but then also from the standpoint of just the practical standpoint of, being able to put those numbers together in the, in the, you know, tax impact, right. You know, yeah. you know, look at the assessments and things of that nature and, you know, some uh, resources that were brought to the table by, you know, the municipality, whether it's, you know, the, the TIF standpoint, right. which, you know, a lot of folks um, I'm sure have uh, opinions on, but at the same time going beyond that and saying, okay, what can be actually worked into the budget versus TIF and, and what can be left for, you know, obviously the, long-term maintenance and infrastructure that needs to be, you know, we're going to build something very nice, but more needs to be done. And even thinking about, okay, what's going to be the impact to the schools bringing Mm. all of these uh, rooftops here. So. um, Right. The municipal impact, right? 100%. And so we, we were putting all of that together, sharing that with the municipality, working with their advisors, their advisors, working with our advisors. And, and that whole process then creates this thing that, okay, this works. Um, Let's go, let's, Go build it, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: well, it's interesting, you know it's funny you bring up the municipal impact, municipal services impact mm-hmm. on a development project to that scale, mm-hmm. right, and so it's funny, kind of this is a flashback, but I was in uh, I worked for General Motors uh, back in you know, kind of the mid mid tens mm-hmm. I was based in New York City, and I was head of our portfolio in midtown, lower Manhattan, and the outer boroughs, right, and so I toured Hudson Yards mm-hmm. early on with Tishman. Mm-hmm. And one thing that forever stuck with me is they made a big emphasis because it was on a CSX switchyard yep. in Midtown West, and essentially, you know, the the key takeaway that I thought that was really like a light bulb moment for me was they had specifically worked with City of New York and New York City Public Schools to kind of because of the density they were bringing to that area. Think about fire service, police service, school systems, having a new public school Mm -hmm. built alongside the rest of the development, which people see now and go, oh, my God. And they think this was always part of Manhattan, right? Right. And so it was interesting that you, you also had that similar aha when you think about the community itself. It's great to build a pro forma and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, people have to live here. Right. And when you're adding this much density in these many units, um, it's really interesting. And so, you know, obviously you have some ties to Chicago. Mm -hmm. I was in Chicago last week um, and I was touring um, a very high profile project with a client. And one of the questions I asked the developer, you might even be guessing which project this is. I don't want to, you know, name other parties, Mm -hmm. but one of my questions was in this area that they're developing, it's a very large scale project Mm -hmm. in Chicago what's the plan for city services in this area, schools, things like that. Cause they're adding an area that's basically a bunch of parking lots and kind of, you know, former industrial, it's on a former, uh, large industrial site. Mm-hmm. And I asked the question and they didn't have an answer. <laughs> and I kind of thought that was interesting mm-hmm. because I go, gosh, geez, just go to Hudson yards, talk to Tishman for 10 minutes about how they plan this out. And I think that's something that some developers might miss. Mm-hmm. When you think about, okay, we're going to add all these units and this density and build these these great systems, but what about things like parks? What about right. things like uh, schools, fire stations, police stations, city services, et cetera, beyond just utilities and things like that, right? right? It's part yeah, of the
2: community building. It is, and development, again, is one of uh, these industries that has gotten so efficient sometimes to a fault right where it's so formulaic that a lot of people don't think about those other connective tissues that make these communities or these developments last Mm -hmm. and and so that's what you know we're trying to bring back and and again there are others that are that are also trying to do that in a modern sense right of hey it's not just about the sticks and bricks. Yep. It's about all yep. of this other stuff. And and that actually does help your bottom line. <laughs> right. um, and, and so, yeah, you're, you're, you're spot on. And just that sort of mindset of this isn't just a formula and this isn't just about being super efficient is something that's so core to who we are. And I think needs to be core to the industry as a whole, as we you know stop and think about what we're doing, because when, once those buildings go up, they're there, right? Even if it's a crappy you know, <laughs> bill, yeah. it's going to sit yeah. there for a minimum, you know, five years, if not 10 years. Right. right? right. And and that shapes the community in a certain sort of way, and whether for good or bad. And so you're trying to shape it, you know, as best as you can. We're, we're all doing what we do, right? To obviously, you know, do well for ourselves, but then hopefully do well for, for others mm-hmm. and do right by others too. So yeah, I couldn't agree more in terms of just, taking that step back and, and trying to think about what those impacts are and, and that's how we like to approach things.
0: How do you you know you mentioned the community associations and the different interest groups, right? Sometimes these are just citizens that are concerned, mm-hmm. right? How do you handle, you know, cuz I've sat in some of those meetings in my career. Mm-hmm. And you know, you get all kinds of kinds. <laughs> I'll put it put it politely. How do you guys, you know, address concerns or wants? asks of community groups
2: that may or may not be realistic? You know, it's not that, to me at least, complicated. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, and you, you, you have to be tactful in all, in, of course. in every and anything. But I think it's about being able to express c- clearly what is realistic and not realistic, and not just to re- <laughs> regurgitate those terms, but right. it truly is. And and to put yourself in in the resident shoes, we are residents as well. I live in a neighborhood, right. um, yeah. and I think sometimes we forget that we we put on our developer hat, we put on our broker hat, and you know we got to get this deal done. Yeah, right. You no, know, think about how a resident would think about it, and I think they they know when that's real and when it's not real. Yeah. And so I could say the exact same thing that someone else, you know, can say, and it hit differently simply Mm. because, and we see that all the time in, in, in this life and in this world. Um, But I think it's coming from a place where they say, okay, this guy actually means it and, and there are connective tissues in there, right. Where it's indicated and not indicated. And I think that's what most likely makes a difference. Sometimes they still don't like it. I mean, I've been, you know, this is not my first rodeo, right. right. In that sort of way. And and I've had the situation where you're still shouted out of the room. And, right. And yeah. and they, like, well, whatever answer you're going <laughs> to give didn't matter. It didn't matter. And, and you get those, you have to eat those lumps as well. Right. Um, but by and large, you, you, you know, I, I feel I found a lot of folks to, you come with authenticity and, and they will respond accordingly in that sort of way. And, and you, you break down what the constraints are and what they aren't. And I think sometimes, you know, we in our development community want things a certain way and really don't care about, you know, what other people think because, mm-hmm. you know, oh, we're spending this money and you're not and, and those types of things. And, okay, yes, that might be true, but no one wants that thrown in their face. Right. You know? So being able to say, yes, we're making a real investment and we want you to come alongside us, but this is an investment we're making. And, you know, we are choosing this community for this reason. And, and people hear that, right. It's like, okay. You know, sometimes again, folks forget those sorts of things and you're bringing that back to to bear that it could be very different. It could be a different group that has very different sort of priorities. And, and so being able to say, these are still the priorities that we have versus the priorities that others have. And those go a long way to being able to get the communities on your side in terms of what you're trying to create. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be difficult, but if you approach it from a place of empathy and understanding, Mm
0: -hmm. right, it can be a successful. Yeah. It's a good way to put empathy and understanding. Empathy and understanding. Mm -hmm. One quick question on transformation, right? One thing that's been a big topic and I'd love to get your thoughts on, you know, you talk about dense urban cores, right? CBDs, you know, you think, you know, Monument Circle and the, office towers in downtown Indianapolis or we'll use a Chicago example the loop itself mm-hmm. all those big towers you know with the future of office obviously shifting in a mm-hmm. paradigm right it's not going yeah. away forever but utilization and the way it's going to be used I think is is permanently shifting to some degree mm-hmm. right you know what is the future for these the dense urban cores that were planned out 50 60 70 years ago to built around office workers five days a week and that's the activation of a lot of these areas. How how do you think communities whether it's Indianapolis or others begin to rethink how to reactivate those things, right? Yeah. Well, I think and retransform them kind of to use a yeah. new city word.
2: <laughs> we're in the middle of it and it's hard to see the forest when you're in the trees sometimes. Yeah. So it's going to be one of those that we'll look back on and be like, oh, of course, that was the answer. It was that obvious. was the answer. It was obvious. But I think it goes back to again the the fundamentals of how do you, people want to live in this Correct. new world that we're in with all of the remote work sort of mindset that has really you know taken root in such a way that office is not going to come back the way you know, it was, and we own office and, and I still am a big believer in office, but it's not going to be the way it was. So you're, you're thinking about those sorts of transformations that can happen with some of these assets, whether it's repositioning. So yes, you go from office to residential or you go to, you know, hospitality, right. Thinking about the things that are right. And those are, those are not, they're easier said than done. Yeah, right. But there're also some some things where it's this has reached its useful lifespan and functionally obsolete. It's functionally obsolete and we need to rethink what this is completely which means potentially a removal, mm-hmm. <laughs> right a complete okay. removal and and going back with something new and different. And so I think it's going to be that combination is just a matter of figuring out what people want mm-hmm. and how you can deliver that in the most efficient and creative way possible. Right. Um, and, and that is a very broad way of saying all of the different uses that go into creating communities. It's residential, it's work, it's entertainment, it's, you know, travel, those it's commerce, right. Creating value in these new economies and creating connectivity. Correct. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the connectivity is so key in all of this and, and I think that's where we need to spend a lot of time is how do we move people and, and moving people from, you know, a tower back in the day, or back in the day, but just <laughs> pre pandemic was accepted that, you know, you would get, go downtown yep. parking, you know, uh, drive into a parking structure, get out, you know, go up whatever, five <laughs> levels of, yep of parking get out of your car go into the, the elevator, elevator go down and then go into the lobby of your office building and go up 20 mm-hmm. you know that's not accepted anymore it's right. not the right way to move people and so now folks want to be closer to the ground they want to be able to Correct. you know walk out uh you know go to lunch with their fellow co-workers and not just you know order everything in and so what are the creative things you know they don't just want jimmy johns every day sweet greens now and and but but you think about it right you've got now sweet greens you've got shake shack you've mm-hmm. got slap fish you have yeah. garden table right in this you know corridor so you've mm-hmm. got all of this optionality and, and this part of downtown is actually still thriving. Oh, it where, is where we're sitting, so that's where you, you say, How do you replicate or bring new things in? I think Indy's got some pretty exciting things on the oh, horizon, yeah. uh, from that standpoint. Just this stuff takes time, yeah, it does. It takes time and it takes creativity. And I know you know the city and, and
0: others have been open to developing new tools for developers mm-hmm. and really open to that conversation. And I think cities need to, and I think you're right. I mean, the, the sub markets and areas that we've toured recently throughout the country, the ones that are doing well have, you know, the, the profile of the buildings is a little bit more approachable first off, right? Like you mentioned, but secondly, the one thing that I've picked up on is that there's very deliberate densification of, you know, multiple uses together to really drive and activate the foot traffic, right? Mm -hmm. So just, you know, that whole experience you said, convenience is key. And so in a lot of the projects that we've toured recently, that same developer might have two or three apartment, large apartment buildings going up nearby. And they're working on transportation access, things like that, and parking and all these other things to make it feel more like you're coming to a destination mm-hmm. that serves multiple of your needs. And there's not inconvenience or what I call friction. Mm-hmm. We live in a frictionless world, mm-hmm. right? Things like Uber, right, which is a over a 10-year-old company now. Right. But Crazy think about so. how friction, if you guys remember calling a cab. Yeah. Right? Right, and you have to wait, and you know, like you talk to a dispatch, and you you know you're out with your friends or whatever in college, and you have now you don't have to do that. It's frictionless. Mm-hmm. People want a frictionless experience, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that's the biggest key, and that's where the functional obsolescence goes to some of that is how do we make things more frictionless for people? Yeah, there's a
2: psychology the to it, right? And the social media companies have <laughs> knocked it out of the mm-hmm. park. Oh yeah, when it right. Comes to this, of you can just catch yourself scrolling for hours, hours. right? And they've made it so frictionless almost too good yeah <laughs> right um, right where it becomes addictive it becomes I mean there're obviously all these documentaries now you know on all the streaming platforms about that but I think it's that sort of psychology that we have to start to apply to to development and just the um, live space right lived experience of reducing that friction and saying how is it that folks want to go about their every day in a way that creates again, more connective juices and, and less friction. So I don't, I don't disagree. And and that's tough because it's easy to, you know, again, scroll, it's another thing to move from one thing to the other. And it's Mm -hmm. another thing to bring the right things in the same space, right? Putting a grocer in a mixed use building is very different than putting a restaurant in a mixed use building. It's very different than putting a workout facility in a mixed use building. And the considerations you have to have, Things like the footprint, things like the column spacing, things like the HVAC and mechanical—all things that you have to think about. Or putting a, a medical, you know, if you're yeah. saying, okay, well, when you think about healthcare and when you right. think, very different. So those are those things that you know, innovations that hopefully are uh, here and coming can help make that happen faster. Because that's the thing that it, it does take time, and and we're in a world that moves fast now. Yeah, um, really quick. And, and that's been one of the challenges of of our industry is that it's it's slow and more permanent and, and hard to change. <laughs> yeah. So how do you create something that that gives people grounding, but at the same time can can transform more quickly? And that's that's the uh, thing that we're all working on right now. That's great. Love yeah. it. It's true. So we got two more questions for you, Isaac. They're questions we ask a lot of our guests.
0: <laughs> oh, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. all right. First one. Yeah, and this is this. You can. It doesn't have to be business related. What are you streaming right now? What are you obsessed with on whether it's Netflix, Hulu, HBO, Amazon Prime? What's your go-to for some R and R right
2: now? Um, so we're in a little, a little bit of a drought. Oh, but, but you know, I, I'm not uh, dissimilar to most folks. That I believe Ted Lasso the new season Coming. just came out. Just came it? out. It just, yeah, dropped, yeah. It just dropped. Yeah, dropped. So, what a good show. So we're going to be this, you know, we're a couple of days away, lasso, lasso <laughs> For, lasso binge from a little bit of a lasso binge. You know, I am also, a uh, right now just getting into, um, boardwalk empire.
0: Oh, that's mm-hmm. a great show. Um, yeah.
2: So I've heard a lot of great things. So I'm just getting into that. It, it's, uh, it's been great so far and I'm a big succession fan so i'm excited oh, yeah. for for that to come out here soon uh soon enough so you know right now it's it's yeah lasso is going to be on the list and and we just watched you know frankly the not a show but movie um the creed
1: movie. Oh, oh, interesting yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, is that good it was excellent excellent
2: right. you know it's always hard to have those it's, sort it's of, third. It's the third the third like... yeah and it was actually yeah the those two you know michael b jordan mm-hmm. jonathan majors uh they they're studs. So yeah, that was awesome.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I wasn't watching it like yeah, that. Yeah. I, 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 I might've might gone done. to the gym after that. Yeah. Paige soul <laughs> It was 11 PM that's, on
0: a Friday yeah, night right. and I was that's, like, I need to hit the gym. Yeah. Paige, I told you we're body positive here. Mm-hmm, <laughs> that's not right. a realistic beauty standard for men.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Well, girl can dream. Yeah. Okay. That's fair <laughs> enough. yeah I was thinking of rewatching Entourage. I I like saw it I had, through the other I, day I, and I've I was like, that same. would be a good yeah. one to like rewatch.
0: I've, I've thought the same, but I also feel like it's one of those shows that if you go back so I watched it in college. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I wanted to be Ari Gold so bad. Uh-huh. Like I saw Ari Gold and I was
1: Shocking. like
0: Shocking. Shocking. <laughs> she goes, I work for freaking Ari Gold.
1: Yeah, I'm <laughs> <am> I Lloyd? <laughs> yeah, you're not Lloyd. <laughs> Thank God.
0: But um I, I remember watching it, but I feel like I worry that it might be cringy. Like yes. you know, 15, 15 years on.
1: Well, that's like a lot of shows now. Like the fashions. Friends. Mm. Well, friends. Like yeah, all but the friends stuff is still like people say it, it's, in these it's shows. More it's like, like yeah, entourage friends was made was for little, network TV. It was a little oh, well, raunchier Oh, I know. But yeah. i was saying like all the there's, there's a lot that could not be said on today's television. Oh
0: no way. Mm-hmm. No, like entourage now would have been canceled. Yeah. You know, yeah. after the first for show. The, yeah. yeah. Right. Like it would have been protested, and HBO would have had to put out an apology and the whole thing. And it's weird because sometimes you watch those shows in retrospect and you go, Ooh, that mm-hmm. was kinda like what I found entertaining at twenty two. But yeah. at the same time it was it was I still cool think show. you could
1: maybe find uh, it entertaining.
2: I will live vicariously.
1: All right, I'll, I'll report back. You report back <laughs> yeah. if it's
0: worth our time to yeah. go back. Okay. Oh my goodness. Okay, one other thing. You mentioned some podcasts you like. Mm. Kind of group.
1: obviously, this one. Oh, yeah. Besides I mean, Urban, right. Foundry, Urban Foundry, I mean, number one. Yeah. What
0: are Hearts what are, are some of the other ones you you really enjoy on a consistent basis? I know you probably listen to a lot of
2: them, but yes. So I think I mentioned earlier, all in, all mm-hmm. in. I'm a, I'm a big fan. uh Southside Rabbi,
0: Southside Rabbi. That's an awesome one. Looking these up as you say these.
2: How I built this is also an OG, but mm-hmm. awesome go to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I cycle through. I'm just I'm just trying to think yeah. what else I've got in the mix these days. Ooh. There we go. <laughs> there I was gonna ask you what you're what you're streaming. I now I know. Now you know, uh um, the Fort Podcast. The Fort on, Um is a good one. And again, more kind of non business related Shades of Hope is the actual two local pastors. Oh, cool. One white, one black, and they're kind of talking through a lot of different social things going on in our broader world, but then right. also right here in Indy. One of the the pastors happens to be my neighbor. So, go oh, figure. Oh, that's, yeah, cool. yeah, that's, that's cool. Pretty cool. So, oh, that's I'll neat. Shades him.
0: of Hope, Dr. Reverend Clarence, yep. C. Moore, and uh, Jeff Krawski. Krawski, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Great. That's cool.
2: And then I guess the best one yet. It used to be the Robin. No, was it was the Robin Hood podcast. I can't remember now, but best one yet.
0: Nice. Best one yet. Mm-hmm. Those are all good. I'm going to check some of these out. Yeah. That's cool. right. I like how diverse like yours were. Right. Like you had a good kind of balance. I'll, I'll admit, right. Yeah. Good mix. Mine are kind of boring. Uh, I, I, I want to hear it, it now. Yeah. All, right, all right. All right. All right. I'll give them. I do listen to most of the Urban Foundry uh, podcasts after they're done to make sure I don't sound too silly. There you go. Just looking at, so, you know, most of mine are, you know, kind of financy. I, obviously I do, you know, the Financial Times Daily Podcast, Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. Those are commute podcasts. And I love the The Goldman podcast, even though they're a little corporate-y Goldman, they just kind of have some interesting okay. from a finance standpoint. The Compound and Friends, okay, is one of my favorites. From it's uh, it's done by kind of a group of younger guys uh, that, um, and one of the one of the main guys, I forget his name off the top of my head. He's he's been on CNBC for over a decade, and it's kind of like buddies talking. St- you know, like stocks, markets, things like that. I just really enjoy that. I'm a finance guy at heart, deep down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I listen to those. And then I always try to find, I like some of the narrative kind of like podcasts that are about, you know, I'm listening to one about the guy John McAfee from McAfee Virus Software mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like his whole alleged suicide mm. and like all this kind of stuff oh. and kind of the murder podcasts, things like that. That's my, what I call my fast food from my brain. (laughs) And I listen to a lot of books on Audible. So I'm a big Audible books guy. Page knows I read a ton of books and it's not just business books. I'm reading everything from Japanese fiction Mm. to uh, American crime writing to I'm reading a book on the history of General Electric right now and the kind of wow. the Jack Welch era. So I, I'm a big fun reader stuff. reader, that's you know, stuff, yeah. and I kind of go into different holes in different genres and I kind of go kind of really, I obsess over them and kind of try to learn. So that, that's kind of what I go for, right? So it's kind of finance related. And then there's a lot of what I call brain candy because day in and day out, I look at so much research that's on right, yeah. commercial real estate trends, demographics, talking to people, talking to smart people like you, wow. So a lot of times I go like, it's almost like with the real estate stuff, I yeah, almost want to see butter me up like that. Now. Well, wow. podcast is
1: almost yeah, over. You're up, well, I <laughs> right, got you on, but
0: you know, the other thing I always think about too, is I'm always seeking inspiration from other places. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and a lot of the inspiration in my career and others came from people outside of our industry, surprisingly, right. or other experiences where I go, Oh, their industry structured similar to ours. They're doing this, this, and this so much better.
2: Right. right? I mean, and that's a that. thing that you you've got to do in any industry, frankly. And you know, one of the best to ever do it, the Steve Jobs of the world, do that type of stuff. And Steve Jobs himself, you know, was so inspired by calligraphy yes. of all things. And how that um spoke so much into the what he put from a design standpoint with regards to all the Apple products, came from calligraphy, right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> so. but you can see that influence. You can. And that's why it's so different, mm-hmm. right? If you seek inspiration, I always joke, and this is just maybe a mantra I live by in life, if you seek inspiration constantly from either your competitors or people in your industry, inevitably you'll end just looking like everybody else. Mm-hmm right? So to be the different or to be the other and not to be afraid of it, you have to seek inspiration from outside of that world, mm-hmm. right? And, and I love just kind of kind of trying to find that from other places and then bring it, bring it here, bring new ideas to our clients, to, to others, and just be more rounded, rounded and educated. Mm-hmm. And also it's a people business we're in. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. To
0: be able to understand and empathize, that's where I get that through fiction a lot of times. Yeah. Right. And from different cultures, different types of writers, even from art. Me and my wife are big into that, where we're trying to find different types of artists that are outside the norm yeah. to seek new inspiration that, and perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And to understand it. So, yeah. That's, that's my little go-to. But Isaac, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. I really you had a great really appreciate time. We'll have here. to have you back for some more updates on Hob station. I know you guys are cooking some other things at some point. That's right. I'm going to make big news. So we're going to have to hear about those things. Once you can talk about them a little bit more
2: looking forward to it. We've got, uh, our heads down on a few things that are pretty exciting.
0: So if you want to learn more about new city, where can people kind of follow you guys on LinkedIn and yeah. other places?
2: We're on LinkedIn. We have, you know, our website as well. And, but I think we're probably most active on LinkedIn. So yeah, new city development, pretty easy to find. And uh, yeah, coming at you with some, uh, some fresh development. I love it.
1: I love it. (laughs) Thank you.
2: Thank you to all of our listeners and we'll talk to you soon.
1: If you like what you heard, please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and don't forget to like or follow us on LinkedIn and YouTube at Urban Foundry Podcast.